Welcome to Mama Bear. I'm your host, Kim Landrum. Welcome back and thanks for tuning in today. I'm excited about this topic. I don't know if excited is the word. I'm interested in this topic of living without alcohol because we have a history of alcohol addiction in our family. It's something I'm really familiar with. And as it turns out, we have a lot of sober, curious listeners. I wasn't sure if this topic would resonate with a lot of people, but yesterday I posted a few questions on Instagram stories and I got a lot of great feedback and and some really good questions. So I'm happy to introduce my friend, Danielle Cheek. She has just celebrated three years of voluntary sobriety and I thought it would be interesting to just kind of sit down and have a candid conversation with her about what life has been like since she transitioned away from alcohol. So I hope you enjoy it. I'm so excited to have my good friend Danielle Cheek with me today. She and I have known each other for probably 10 years and I don't see her enough. So this is a a really big treat for me to have her here today. And Danielle's one of the most I was trying to come up with a word, and vivacious is the word that came to mind, and I never use that word. I think I might just kind of set it aside just for you, Um, but it it is a great word for you. Other words that came to mind, optimistic, selfless, genuine, uh, people I know. You're so authentic. I love your Facebook post because I never know what's going to come out of your mouth. Um, but you have just been such a blessing to me and you're just such a wonderful person to know and be around. So this is, this is great for me to have you here. And I just feel blessed to have you in my circle of friends and I'm excited to share you with our listeners today. So welcome to Mama Bear. Yay. Thank you. I'm going to make my head so big. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. All right, so I want to start by talking about how you and I met, Mm -hmm. because it was 10 years ago, and we can just have this organic conversation. What what I remember is I was a race director for a youth triathlon here in Athens at the YWCO, Mm -hmm. and the age limit was six to whatever, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I get in, maybe I got an email first and then... Yeah, because I remember we talked on the phone at some point. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, email probably first. And then we hopped on the phone and you had a son that was five. Mm-hmm. And he was probably, was he barely five at that point? I mean, he was... Well, he's got that December birthday. Okay. So he's... Yeah, he probably would have been maybe six at December. I can't okay. remember, but he, it was he something was, five. It was just under the... Right, right. Yeah, and he was under the cutoff. And so you called to see if we would let him into the race mm-hmm. and we talked about his abilities. And I know you're a little bit worried about oh, yeah. the, the swim, swim, which of Everybody course, worries about the swim. Right, right, right. <laughs> so all the moms, once once you get your kids out of the swim, we can all exhale and... I don't know that 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 ever goes away, but Mm -hmm. so we had that conversation and then 
maybe we met before then. We had that little workshop. I don't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. But on race day, do you want to talk about it? Yes. Um, gosh. And it's still, like, I don't remember, like, the during part. I just remember the part that you played, like, and then him getting out and the Anyway, but yes, um, so he Hayden is my son, and he'd been taking swim lessons, and you know, he's a pretty good little swimmer, but that was still a long way for him in that big Olympic distance pool at the Y, and um, I think at that point, the reason he wanted to do the triathlon, I think I had already started kind of doing some tries then, so he wanted to do like mom, and um, so yeah, we just happened by circumstance to find out about the kids try the Y, and um, so yeah, he could swim, but again, we knew that was kind of a distance and he started getting a little tired, you know, and you could just kind of see him slowing down. And, you know, I just remember you're wearing, you know, your signature, like Nike tempo shorts and a t-shirt. You're, so you're fully dressed. And, and the next thing I know, you know, you just, you, you jumped in with him and you helped him finish the swim. Although, you know, and it was just like the coolest thing ever. And I just couldn't believe somebody would do that for my boy and you know and then he just went on and he finished the race and he thought he was hot stuff he and that was the year so I think that profile picture of us after the race because that's when he had his mohawk right Mm, I think so yeah and I that picture of us is my YouTube profile still it's my I guess it's my gmail login but Mm -hmm. um so yeah Hayden Looked like he was getting a little tired, so I just hopped in there, and we swam together. And so we were forever bonded, he and mm-hmm. I, and uh, that was just such a special moment for me that I will never forget it. I remember so much about that. And then you and I just, of course, we were going to be Through friends that. Right. after that. So. And he still calls you Coach Kim, even though he has not done a triathlon in forever. He hasn't seen you in forever, mm-hmm. but it's never going to be Miss Kim. It's always going to be Coach Kim. Which... I love. Right. I, right. Ho- I hope when I'm 80, he still it's calls me that. That's yeah. right. Well, that is how Danielle and I were introduced. And it's just, to me, it's something that's so special. Mm-hmm. And I don't get to see her that much. She mm-hmm. is, man, she's an early riser. <laughs> and I am, oh, I, I can't, kind of like 6 a.m. If I'm running at 6 a.m., or that would, that's, really pushing it for me but you're out there a lot of times at 5 30 so our schedules really don't align right but she rides and runs and you know has continued to stay active um and every once in a while we get together um and I actually posted that picture the last time we ran (laughs) through five points when I tripped and skidded through the gravel um so that's not why I don't run with you anymore. I know. I, well, most people don't run with me or, well, they'll run with me, but they don't like to because I can manage to find every hill that's in Athens and somehow we're going to incorporate it on the route. So I don't get to plan the routes a lot anymore. That's been taken from me. So, But you do go, I know last night you went to the Fleet Feet. Fleet Feet. Monday uh-huh. night group Monday night runs. runs. So yes. if you ever want to meet Danielle in person... And I'll let her share any of her um, handles with you all at the end. But if you ever want to meet her in person and run with her, you can probably find her on Monday nights at the Fleet Feet Fleet Feet Run Group Run. Yes. All right. Well, I wanted to bring Danielle on the show because you can't have 
a health and wellness podcast and not address alcohol, some aspect. Right. Right. Um, because I think it is, it's so predominant in our society. Mm-hmm. How do you talk about, I mean, you can't just like put it in its own little container and right. compartmentalize it that way. It is part of our culture and it is part of our health. And so I don't want to have this discussion because I'm I'm trying to judge. I mean, I I drink wine. Mm-hmm. So there you go. It's on record. <laughs> I drink wine. Um but I Danielle 3 years ago, just over 3 years ago, made a decision to stop drinking and I'm going to let her tell her story, but I thought it would be really interesting just to bring her in and hear in her words how it's affected her life since she's made that decision. Mm-hmm. So um, let's just start with some context. And can you tell me what your life looked like prior to making the decision to stop drinking? I can. So I well, let me just say, so growing up, um, alcohol was never really a big thing in our house. I can remember on very rare occasions, maybe like if we ordered pizza, my dad may have a beer or two, but that was it. Like it was just, we just didn't drink. It wasn't that my parents, I don't think were opposed to it. It just didn't ever play, you know, a a role. And I do remember when I was in high school, my dad told me, you know, if you ever feel the need to get drunk, he's like, you can go in the backyard and do it. He said, but you're going to give me the keys to the car. He's like, because you're not going to drive anywhere like that. And I think that part of, you know, the reason why I didn't go wild or anything at first, well, at first when I went off to college was because, you know, it just, it didn't feel like something I needed to do. It had never been a taboo thing like, oh, you can't do it. So I never felt the need to really rebel. Um, And I can even remember, I think it was my senior year, um, there was a handful of us that instead of going to the prom, we went out, because I'm from South Georgia, so we went out to dinner in Jacksonville, and then we went back to my friend's house, and um, her mom was going to keep all of our keys, and all of our parents knew we were going to stay the night, and we were going to drink, and we thought we were something because we were drinking... um, you know, fuzzy navels and all this kind of stuff now. And I'm like, Ugh, you know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. And so then again, that was senior year. Um, I did go to Mexico for a couple of weeks, uh, after I graduated high school with the Spanish club. And, um, of course down there, the drinking age is 18. So I was old enough so we could go to a bar or club and order, you know, so that was kind of exciting. Um, but then other than that, you know, it was kind of no big deal. So I, I started college, went to UGA, um, came up here in 97, which feels like forever ago. It kind of was. Um, but even then, you know, I didn't, my freshman year, you know, it was more or less just, um, you know, none of my friends really drank and I was always a goody goody. I didn't have a fake ID or anything like that. Um, couldn't even imagine doing something like that because I was such a goody goody. Um, I do think it was right before my sophomore year. I went to a party and, uh, I did get really drunk on some tequila and have some very bad memories of, uh, getting rather sick off of that. Um, but I think that was, that experience was kind of like, um, the first experience of, I didn't know when to quit. It was kind of like, you know, you go from, 
feeling good and then you have that little bit too much and then it's like oh god um so then I probably didn't drink much at all after that my sophomore year and then I guess about midway through my junior year we always laugh there's I have a really good core group of friends we were in each other's weddings we all met you know we're all social workers um but we all met in undergrad and they always like to kind of joke that they corrupted me um so yeah, um, once I was legal in 21, you know, could go downtown, whatever. Um, so yeah, again, a few of those experiences where I think I just didn't know enough about drinking that I didn't really know how to pace myself. Um, back when, oh, what was the name of the Uptown Lounge? Okay, oh, so again, yes. dating myself yes. here. So Uptown Lounge, they used to do you know the fishbowl margarita night, and uh, I didn't know how much alcohol in it. I, was, you know, and I think I had like two and a half or three. It was awful, awful. And that was during the summer and I had class the next day. So, uh, yeah, not fun because again, it tasted good and I didn't know, right? you know, so anyway, a few more experiences like that. Um, and then, you know, I would say, you know, after it, it just, you know, again, it was kind of one of those things. It wasn't that big of a deal. I could drink on occasion. Those were, yeah, normal yeah. college experiences. It, right. So I didn't feel it was anything odd. And then I could go, you know, for a long time without drinking. So I think, though, with me, and I don't want to blame any particular event. I think it was kind of a culmination of things, maybe, uh, looking back. But um, in 2013, so Hayden... Gosh, I can't do the math. But anyway, so he was he was young. But um, I had weight loss surgery. So I had gastric bypass surgery. And I couldn't drink anything for a year after that. They tell you not to. Um, and so I made it almost the whole year. And I think uh, that November, Kevin and I went on a cruise for our anniversary. And that was the first time that I had drank since the surgery then. And I've since read some articles and different things. And, you know, sometimes apparently when you have the weight loss surgery, they say you can transfer, you know, that food addiction onto something else, um, which makes sense. And I think there have been different studies about, um, you know, people increasing their drinking after having the surgery. Um, But I don't know, like I said, 100%, I wouldn't blame it all on that. I think one of the other contributing factors was uh, about that same time frame, you know, 2013, 2014, uh, when I had the weight loss surgery was also when I started trying to really get healthy and do things with my body that I didn't know I could do before. So I started running, you know, I did the couch to 5k program, um, and that quickly kind of progressed into half marathons and things like mm-hmm. that. And I started doing triathlons, triathlons, I always put that extra syllable in there. Um, and what I noticed was that for these to be healthy events, there was a lot of alcohol involved, um, like finish lines of big races. You know, you had a token to get a beer or two, you know, um, there were the training runs or getting together and training for big events and somebody always had a cooler of beer and so I think it kind of maybe started building up speed at that point for me um it became a social and a kind of a reward um you know I, I do something athletic oh now I can have a few beers 
And the problem for me was it wasn't just like Mick Ultra. I really like good craft beer. Mm-hmm. And again, that, that difficulty, um, you know, moderation, I've never been good at moderation. I'm not good at it with food. I'm not, you know, I'm kind of a, if I'm going to jump into something, just I do. all in. Right. right. Yeah. And so that kind of became my problem with alcohol. And then I think the third kind of contributing factor was um, the Atlanta United team, you know, came the soccer team and so we were there most weekends tailgating and all that kind of stuff and you know it was just I mean you drank and got drunk at the tailgates right and or or I did anyway yeah and maybe not everybody else was you know so it it just kind of I think all three of those things kind of made the perfect storm for me and it just got to be a little bit much okay Um, so something was going off, some sort of alarm was going off mm-hmm. in your head saying, wait a minute, I think this might not be the best habit for me right, right. now. Right, because, okay. you know, I would come home from work and start preparing dinner and maybe have a beer or two while I was fixing dinner. Um, wine is, a, that's another problem for me. Again, we go back to portion control and eating and measuring out. You know, I can't do... A glass of wine. Um, if wine was open in the house, I was going to end up having the bottle throughout the course of the night. So then I would try to, um, you know, portion control myself. Okay, I'll get the little container with the four little miniature right, bottles, yes. and you can just have one, you know, right. while you're cooking and with dinner. And then it was kind of like, oh, but this feels so nice. One more is not going to hurt, you know. And I just got to the point where I was tired of, I mean, it wasn't like I was this raving alcoholic or anything like that. Um, But I just got tired of feeling gross and going to work with a bit of a headache and feeling just kind of, I wasn't me. I felt like a duller version of myself. And so that just kind of kept on for a little bit. And, and yeah, I just, it got to the point where I'm like, okay, this, I'm not happy. It's too much. Okay. No, that makes total sense. So once you decided that you were going to stop drinking, did you just stop cold turkey? Yes and no. Um, So it was kind of one of those things. There were a few false starts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, There, I can remember, um, one time, um, just pouring out all this leftover stuff I had. I'm like, okay, no more of this. I'm done. I'm done. And then it lasted maybe a week or so. And it's like, I can do this. I can moderate, you know, just a little bit. Um, and then I think the second time I really remember moderating, um, I did go several months, uh, leading up and let's see, I have to look. It was 2017. So, a few months before I did the New York City Marathon, um, d- I decided that I was going to cut out drinking then and see if that helped um, help me do it. Because I was really excited about that race. And again, I am not a fast runner. And I know you mentioned earlier about Fleet Feet. If, if you come to Fleet Feet looking for me, I'm at the way back of the pack. Um, I used to be a little faster, but not anymore. Um, but that was supposed to be kind of, in my mind, my comeback race, and I was going to do really great and uh, trained really hard for it. And then it was a very disappointing time. And then I thought, you know, I, I, I cut out drinking. I tried to get so healthy, and I was doing all my, you know, running workouts, and it was just all for naught. So I had um, Kevin, my, <laughs> I had my husband pick me up a six pack of Mick Ultras, and I can remember 
being in the shower in the hotel room, drinking my Mick Ultras and just crying because I didn't have the race I wanted. And I think at that point I was kind of like, well, you know, screw it. You know, if I have alcohol or not, it's not going to really affect me. Um, but, and so that was 2017. So, you know, then things started, kept, you know, I'd get right back in the same cycle. You know, I would tell myself I could moderate. Clearly I couldn't. Um, and you know, it kind of got to, you know, where at first it was a mostly a weekend thing. Then I felt like, you know, I was spending more time during the week. And I can also remember like, you know, even house cleaning, like, okay, I got to vacuum and mop the floor today, but let me drink a couple of, um, you know, well, tropicalias. I love tropicalia. <laughs> um, let me drink a couple of those as I'm doing it. And then it's like, Oh, I'm so tired. Now I got to take a nap. Right. And it was all this wasted time too. So, um, but yes, but the, but the event that actually made me stop, um, and Kevin and I were actually talking about this the other day. He was like, I think it was when this happened. I'm like, no, 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 babe, trust me. I remember. I know when, when I stopped, but I was at an Atlanta United game with my friend um, because Kevin used to be down front. He was um, a capo, so leading all the, you know, you, you call me vivacious. I am nothing on my husband, but, um, you know, so he was a hype guy kind of mm-hmm. essentially. So I am at the game with my friend and, I mean, way too many hopsecutioners, which, you know, for those that aren't in the Athens area or don't know, you know, that is a... A really delicious uh, local brewery, and um, but they're very high graph. Um, there's lots of yep. alcohol in there, and um, yeah, several of them. It just wasn't good. I didn't remember a whole lot of the night. I just remember telling my friend, "You got to get me to Kevin after the game." Like I do remember that, and I remember getting to him, and you know, obviously he drove us home, but I just remember the next morning waking up thinking, nah, that's that scared me. I've never really had a blackout before. And I guess that's what, because I never, when people used to say that, Oh, I don't remember what I did. Or I'm like, I always remember. And then for that to happen and feel that out of control, that scared me. That really woke me up. And I said, no, no more. Um, that was so that was the turning point for me and i've left out a couple of you know other awesome examples of things you know that i really shouldn't have done when i'd been drinking and other you know and we all have those uh experiences and sidebars i imagine but but for me that was the biggie that was the turning point and so then once you made that decision and you said no more what if you can remember i know it's been 3 mm-hmm. years at this point so maybe you don't remember all the details initially so you could sort of talk collectively well this is how i feel now but mm-hmm. do you remember initially some of the changes that you felt either to your body or to your mind you know what kinds of changes were happening once you stopped mm-hmm. what happened initially and then what have you noticed long term or the you know, the longer you've gone without drinking. I think the first thing I need to point out was that, um, you know, it, it, it was hard for me to, um, to make the decision and to accept that, you know, I'm maybe I'm not like other people. I just, I can't moderate. And, you know, there was a period of really kind of feeling bad about myself because I couldn't do it. I couldn't do like other people, but there was also kind of a sense of, um, I guess confusion there too, because, 
you know, like I said, in my mind, I wasn't an alcoholic. I wasn't, um, you know, I could still do everything I needed to do. Right. Um, nothing was really affected negatively in my life. And I remember even talking with Kevin when I told him, you know, I've made my decision. This is it. You know, of course, he was supportive of me. Um, but I think he was questioning, too. He was like, you know, but why? You don't have a problem. Like, I right. can specifically remember where we were and us having this conversation. He's like, you don't have a problem. You just, and his phrase was, you like to go hard in the paint every now and then. And I'm like, yeah, but I think I have a problem. And that is what has to change, you know, because I think it. And so I will say 100% he has been nothing but supportive the whole time. I think, like I said, at first he didn't really get it. Um but he's always been supportive. So um, I think first just almost like kind of felt like stages of grief, like admitting, okay, I have a problem. I have to get rid of this. Um, And, you know, because I really like the taste. I mean, I love Chardonnay. I love red wine. Um, You know, certain beers I really loved. So that was hard. Um, what I had to do initially to help me kind of get over that hump, I did start drinking some kombucha. Mm -hmm. Um, that was very helpful to me. And then like this, like the LaCroix, like anything that had some sort of flavor, you know, that's what I kind of substituted and made it a little bit better. And I also chose to quit drinking, you know, two days before the 4th of July. Well, (laughs) so that was real fun. Let me go to my first cookout and I'll drink. But, um... So I remember those kinds of things, but I will say, you know, and, and I can also remember looking up, um, Googling, you know, what changes should you expect in your body after you've quit drinking after X amount of days or X amount of days? Um, I didn't feel like my sleep magically got any better. Um, I know a lot of people will say that, that sleep gets better. I didn't feel like, um, my sleep really had any different, but, um, I did feel, uh, just kind of less sluggish and bloated like um once that you know I just I I don't know it's kind of hard to describe but yeah it creates inflammation in your definitely your body and your Mm -hmm. brain and the reason I ask that question is because I and and I want to come back to sort of the the grief part of it too in a in a minute but Mm -hmm. I think inflammation is something that I have noticed because I'll go tip typically if I open a bottle of wine I'll either buy the little ones <laughs> if I just want you know mm-hmm. here's a random glass but you can't get good wine in single small bottles you mean you don't like Sutter Home <laughs> come no, on not doing that cupcake no nope, oh, nope. and so I know I know and so if you, you know, if you open a bottle, you're kind of committed to it. And so right. it's either, um, I'll have a bottle over the weekend, but I can, I'll have just a five ounce pour. And so mm-hmm. it'll take me four nights to get through yeah. the bottle or I won't drink for several weeks or even several months at a time. And the mm-hmm. thing that I will notice is after a week when I am lecturing Words will come to mind so much easier, mm. and I, I feel so much more articulate. Like, my recall is so right. much better when I'm not drinking at all because, and I guess, it's inflammation in the brain, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I just found that 
interesting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's it's validated by, by research, you know, even if you look at, okay, well, that's a short-term effect. If you look at long-term effect, and there's research out there now that looks at alcohol abuse, mm-hmm. you know, and, and high alcohol use over a long period of time will shrink the hippocampus, right? And so, and you could go find pictures of the brain, and it's scary to right. look at that and think about, okay, maybe I like doing this now, but at a certain level, I'm not really doing myself any favors exactly. when it comes to aging, right? Exactly. So. Well, and I was just shy of 40 at the time, too, when I made the decision. And so that was kind of another thing. I was like, I don't want to go into the next, you know, decade of my life. Um, you know, feeling like this, but I do, you know, the one, uh, and what you said about, um, recall and words, you're right that, and that's something I'd kind of forgotten about. I think the biggest thing physically I noticed was my skin. Um, and I can look back at pictures, like, and I always kind of reference that one night that I decided, you know, when I do my Facebook memories, oh, this is when I quit drinking. And I look at that picture and how puffy my face looked and just kind of dull, that my skin looked. And once, you know, I feel like, you know, essentially all the toxins left, um, Mm -hmm. you know, my skin has just gotten much, much better. um, I mean, I'm sitting across from you. You look flawless. Oh, well. Right, right now. Uh, I mean, seriously, like your skin is very smooth. Your complexion's Mm -hmm. very even. Um, So... Yeah, yeah. It made a big. I mean, your yeah. skin looks good. Well, thank you. <laughs> so there's that, right? So let's. I want to go back to the grief thing for a second, and I want to preface it by saying I posted some questions on Instagram stories today, mm-hmm. and thanks to everybody that chimed in with feedback. And the reason I was asking is I, I was putting these questions together, and I really wanted to get an idea of. How many times a week people are drink? just, you know, people who are mm-hmm. answering mm-hmm. these questions, right? And it's, there's a big age range there, both genders. Right. Um, and I got anything between not at all to one drink a week to five drinks a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and it spanned anything from beer and wine were, um, I guess, the most popular answers. But then there was also tequila margaritas, yeah. Moscow Mule, which I've never, I've never even had a Moscow oh, Mule. Oh, now I have a friend that can um, fix you a good one. Lame. She makes me a, a, a virgin version okay. with club soda instead. But, um, I'll but yeah, try you, that. she'll hook yeah. you up. Mm-hmm. But then I asked the question, why do you drink? And the mm-hmm. answers largely revolved around either I'm sitting at home, you know, kind of chilling, watching a movie mm-hmm. or, um, it's social. You know, something social. And so when you talk about grief, I, I can't do this anymore. Alcohol can't be a part of my life anymore. And here I am. You're a social butterfly, right? <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. At, yeah. at this group run and you're at this soccer game and you're, and you know, everybody in town. So talk, talk about that and how, how you coped with that, that grief. How is it then not a part of your life? How'd you deal mm-hmm. with that transition? With I think um, the big thing was just realizing um, or just kind of telling myself, you know, girl, just go with it. It doesn't mean you have to stop um, hanging out with people and doing things. People like you 
regardless of if you're drinking or not. It's not like I depended on alcohol to be this big, um, you know, enhance my personality or anything. Like I just drank because I liked I liked the way it felt. I liked feeling kind of you know loopy and silly and fun. Um, so I think the biggest thing was just going to be something honestly to have in my hand, like to feel. Um, like I was um, like everybody else, not because I felt like I had to, you know, um, pretend that I was drinking or anything like that, because I was upfront about it from, you know, from the get go. But I just, like I kind of mentioned earlier, I really liked the taste of certain things. And I knew that it just had to hold something. I had to have, you know, something to drink. And so, um, you know, I just always kind of made sure I had plenty of, you know, LaCroix. I, I could tell you I've tried all the different brands of carbonated water and different flavors. Um, so I just, you know, and like I had mentioned, I think kombucha. Um, so I, you know, I would just go to events and still do things, but just, you know, have a non-alcoholic drink. Okay. So, um, and someone did give me a question. I asked for questions and someone asked, do you have any recommendations for non-alcoholic beers or, and I know there are even, I mean, I don't know if you call them liquor. I don't know what you call them, but there mm -hmm. are non-alcoholic more um, kind of designer type flavored, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I have seen something recently on Instagram that uh, apparently, yeah, it is kind of, I guess, a, like a liqueur or something, but mm -hmm. um, I want to say it's something AF, which, you know, we all know that can be alcohol free or something else. So, right. um, you know, people word things funny. So I'm not sure the brand name, um, but I will say that at first, you know, everybody always just thinks of when you think, you know, non-alcoholic beer, O'Doul's right, or, right. or what is the other one, Beck's. And they're horrible. Like Have you tried Athletic Brewing? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. That's what's in the fridge right now. Okay. And I actually tried them a long time ago before. Um, I forget how I even heard about them. I actually had to order it. You know, they mail mm -hmm. it to you because it's not right. alcoholic. But, um, but yeah, I do love them. But, yeah, O'Doul's and the nasty stuff. So then I found Sharps, which I think Miller makes. I'm okay. like, all right, that's pretty good. It tastes like a beer. You know, it was a good grass-cutting beer. Because that was another thing, like associations. Like, I associated cutting the grass with drinking beer. Right. You know, you go for a run, you have a shower beer. Oh, no, I don't have a shower beer anymore. Right. <laughs> so, um, that was the other thing, breaking those associations. So, um, no, my favorites though, right now, um, I do love the athletic brewing. Um, the, uh, Lagunitas makes a really good one. Um, now they're in a bottle. So, um, but the one I just totally love is, uh, I believe it's Brewdog is the brewery, um, and it's their Punk AF, and I can't find it anywhere anymore because, and they keep telling me at the liquor store, it's like, oh, well, you know, the, it's something about the brewery. They just don't, you know, but they have another one that's, um, it's a stout and now I'm drawing a, but it's also by Brewdog. It's a purple, purple can. Um, but it's almost like drinking a chocolatey coffee. So it's a little heavier. Okay. Um, so I like that one kind of in the evenings. And even my husband was like, yeah, that, that one's pretty good. It's like um, a good sipping mm -hmm, beer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So nothing, um, you know, that I want to just obviously drink quickly or grass cutting beer. Right. But yeah. It's a, it's a fun one for the evenings. Um, there is also, what's the other one? Brooklyn something or other. Um, 
They have the purple can I like. I don't like the green can, so I can't remember the exact names. And I remember I did ask somebody at Terrapin, um, were you guys going to come up with one? And I was told it was in the works. Um, I did ask at Southern Brewing, were they going to consider it? And um, at this time, uh, they have not. And that's okay. Um, but I think I was telling you earlier, I have not purchased any yet, but Right Side Brewery in Atlanta, I think it is actually an all non-alcoholic. Um, like everything they make, I believe, is non-alcoholic. I could be lying and about that. And that's a brewery or a bar? It's a brewery. So okay. you can, I mean, they have it in different stores in the Atlanta area. So I go to the... Uh, was it Northside Bottle Shop mm-hmm. over by Kroger? And because they usually will have the biggest selection. And and one of the guys there was really helpful to me. He's actually the one that told me about the the right side. But they've been really good about ordering, you know, all kinds of different stuff. And like I said, I know my little area of the cooler. It's right near where Kevin's bush lights are. So I grab his bush light and I get my little, you know, whatever and call it a day. <laughs> now that you are three years alcohol-free, just over three years, do you feel like you're on a mission to educate others about the benefits of abstaining? Or this is just your decision and you let people be? Do you, I mean, do you feel mm-hmm. like you're an advocate? No, I think that there have been a few friends that... Um, have come to me and asked questions about it or have tried to, um, or, or they have, they've been successful in doing the same for themselves. But I just kind of think of myself as some, I just put it out there. Hey, this is what I do. Um, I would never try to, you know, change anybody's mind or influence them one way or the other. But, you know, certainly if people have questions, I mean, I'll tell them everything I know about a topic, but you know, I feel like, no, that's, that's a decision that everybody has to come to. And, um, and I don't, you know, sober works for me and, you know, it's, it's fine, but I can still go and hang out with people and be around people that have had way too much. And, you know, I'm not judging, you know, I, there's a part of me, I think that'll always be a little bit wistful, like, man, sure wish, you know, but then I think about, they're going to feel like crap tomorrow morning and I'm going to wake up headache free and mm-hmm. get to go about my day and you know and at 9 a.m you'll already be done with your run that's right. right or yeah I've done yeah I've done something so um so yeah if someone has a question for you maybe somebody listening wants to learn more about your experience so they want to reach out to you one-on-one what Facebook or Instagram what's your preference um either one I don't um I don't probably do as much on Instagram. I'm trying to. I know. I guess that's the cooler one, and Facebook is more for old people. Um, Should they? Re- it's because your name is different on Facebook. Yeah, my so. name is different. Like I said, I am in mental health, so I try to kind of protect. <laughs> um, Instagram would probably, if anybody wanted to send yeah. a message through that, yes, it's SWGal02. Okay. Um, so yeah, send me a message that way. Like I said, I love to talk about it. Um, okay. You know. I, I'll answer anything. And I can I can tag you. Okay. I think, actually, I think you were tagged in that last post. But mm-hmm. you, anybody that's that's listening that wants more information, feel free to reach out to her via Instagram. And then last questions for or last question for other people that might be considering 
removing alcohol from their life, what kind of recommendations do you have for them? I did in the beginning. Um, I did a lot of podcasts. I listened to, and specifically, I had been told about a book called um, This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. I knew a lot of people that swore by this book. It said it really helped them. It changed them. I, I read a good bit of it. I didn't finish, but I did um, look her up and kind of start following her. And she has some great podcasts where she's interviewed different people about, you know, um, their drinking and how they kind of changed and what their story was. So it was really important for me at first to hear other people's perspectives and, and kind of their success stories, if you will, you know, um, and how much better things were for them. That was what really motivated me in the beginning. Um, I also read several different books. I can remember there was one, I think, called Blackout um, that was really powerful. And, you know, but a lot of them were stories about people that, you know, had completely reached rock bottom. And I think that that is kind of the, and that is one thing I would say. So that's kind of a misconception. I think that we all have that you have to have this really horrible event or crash your car or, you know, just reach this rock bottom in order to get you to stop drinking, but you really don't. You don't, um, right. No, I think everybody is in a different place with it. And like I said, I mean, yeah, I had an event that kind of, um, you know, made me say, okay, enough is enough. But again, you know, nothing majorly bad had happened to me. So I, I guess that would be something I want to stress to folks is, you know, um, there could still be a little bit of a problem where you might have a little problem, even though, you know, everything seems to be right. And, um, you know, and that it's not impossible to do because I really, I did feel like it was going to be impossible. Like I just, you know, I loved it too much. I loved the taste. Like I was just never going to be able. And that was more, I think what bothered me, it wasn't even so much the social aspect. It's just like, God, I just really like it. Right. You know, how am I going to make it without it? But you do find things to replace. And, and um, I enjoy now, you know, when we go to a restaurant, you know, I'll ask um, the server, hey, can you have the bartender make me a really fun mocktail? You know, I've tried so many great things um, that I probably never would have tried before um, because, you know, it's just it's kind of a whole new um a whole new world of experiences and you taste your food more and right. you know, you're um you're And not. your taste buds do do yes. change when you refrain yes. from, from drinking. I have mm -hmm. noticed that as well. If you get to the point where you're maybe a month free, mm -hmm. yes, I feel like my, my taste buds are more sensitive. Mm -hmm. And you say there's a there was a, a app I used too, and now I'm drawing a blank on it. I have to Google it and find it. But essentially you could put in information about maybe how much you regularly or you know how much you drank how much you thought a month you spent on drinking, how much time you devoted to it. And it would calculate all that for you. And it would show you on a monthly basis, you know, how much time now that you're not drinking that you had or how much money you had saved. Um, so that was kind of cool too, as cool. a good kind of reinforcement tool. I think there were a lot of different apps out there, you know? So I think if you're, if you're, thinking about it or really want to, I mean, the information's there, right? I mean, there's tons of the, I, there were so many people I looked up to that I knew, um, had made the decision to cut alcohol out and, you know, I still look up to them and I see where they are now, you know, several years later and they are just rocking it out, you know, right. living and life. Yeah. As, as are you. 
Well, I cannot thank you enough for your willingness to, to share your experience with us. I think it's really helpful. I, I think you're right in that I hear a lot more people either going longer periods of time without drinking or just making a commitment altogether not to drink for, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But more and more, it's it's because they're trying to make an investment in their health. Right. So Definitely. I really appreciate you sharing your perspective with us. And again, if you have questions for Danielle and you want to reach out to her individually, then it's SWGAL02 mm-hmm. on I was, Instagram. Yeah, I was real creative when I fixed my Instagram account years ago. I was like, oh, I'm a social worker and I graduated in 02 and I'm a woman. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so. There you go. All right. Thank you, Danielle. And um, thank you all for tuning in today for episode three of Mama Bear. Yay.